Striving and Thriving is the career development podcast inspiring you to make some bold changes. It's time to sweat the big stuff. Each week, we speak to industry figureheads at different stages of their journey to understand what it takes to successfully manage your career. I'm your host, Laura Johnson, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by Lucy briggs Barrow. To get us started, can you tell us a little bit about your career background and your current role? Yeah, so I am currently a senior HR business partner at a company called MindBody, which is a SaaS company. Head office is in the US and I am the head of the Asia Pacific region. My career path to date, certainly not linear. I started working in the HR space in a recruitment company and then moved across to not-for-profit and then into technology. I am absolutely obsessed with technology. And I think that's where I have certainly excelled in the HR space. I think that it definitely attracts the most interesting, innovative people. And it's certainly fast paced and agile. And that's definitely where I have seen my passion for HR and all things people really, you know, be defined so far. What um, attracted you to HR in the first place? What took you down that path? So I started off my university doing straight psychology and I really loved that people aspect. I found that human psyche, how people tick, really interesting. But the further I went into that psych space, didn't love statistics. Um, That part of it really didn't interest me. And the more I went into it, the more I didn't want to really do private practice. So I spoke to a few of my peers and found out that there was a brand new degree that was called human resource management. So it was basically applying that human psyche, psychological behavior, but more in the workplace. So it was more about workplace strategy, employment strategy, and being able to drive success in businesses through people. So that's where I transitioned quite early on in my university. So was really happy about that transition and have been really passionate about this space ever since. You're the second person. I think we've done about 40 and two so far. You're the second person that actually studied HR. Everyone else is like, oh, it just happened. (laughs) We fell into it. That was very interesting. I guess then like talking about like role to role. So obviously you've been in quite a few different sectors. What's kind of spurred those moves on in between different sectors and trying new areas for HR? Yeah, I think first role is always just about getting your foot in the door. I was a budding, just out of university, 20-year-old, not knowing really what the world would hold, but fortunately got into a really great company. And in HR, you're exposed to executive level from a really early stage in your career. So was able to bounce off from the CEO to the CPO and really find out if this career was for me. My transition into not-for-profit was definitely a personal choice after that. It was something that from school and throughout my friendship group and family definitely wanted to see what that not-for-profit space was like. And it is really interesting being able to work on a shoestring you know, not-for-profit certainly doesn't have the abilities to use the latest, greatest technology, but by no means is the business strategy any different. So a lot of transitions with getting government funding, being able to employ a lot of people all at once, and then obviously deploy them off to different projects. 
and being able to work for a, a great cause. I think that that was a really grounding moment for me, being able to see people working for beyond their salaries. They were working for a cause. They could see the purpose in what they did and that was the driver over salary. So I definitely really liked working in that space, but then got the opportunity to work in technology. And that has certainly turned my head forevermore. I think I worked for a software testing company. I started with a company called Planet and that doubled in size when I started as an HR advisor. So it was incredible to be a part of the journey of that company, moving into India, the UK, New Zealand and Australia, and just seeing how quickly a company can expand and thrive in so many different countries across the world. Being able to provide high quality technology from anywhere is something that I've really been excited by. And not only that, I think attracting talent that is always pushing the status quo and being able to change people's lives. I think fortunately or unfortunately, there isn't a lot of people that study technology. I think that's changing in Australia, but being able to sponsor people, move people around the world based on the projects that we're working on, it really feels like you're changing people's lives and their careers every single day. And then I guess, you know, being able to move through those different steps, moving into an HR business partner role and working on strategy with the leadership teams throughout Planet, throughout Australia, they all come with different complexities based on the state or city that they're working in. And the workforce planning certainly never stops. They were always at the front of technology and where they wanted to go and where they wanted to be in terms of industry and um, project spaces that they were working on. And then moving into the management side, I loved, you know, being responsible for a team, working with, again, it almost took me back to my young budding days, being responsible for a team that was just so enthusiastic, so work orientated and so, so calm in a crisis. It was just so inspiring. I definitely think that management grounds you a lot and allows you to think back on what you wanted to know or could have known before and how you can put those best practices in to make sure that hopefully they don't make the same mistakes as you or if they do, they learn quicker. And then my transition into mind-body, it feels like the perfect combination of who I am and what I do. I am a senior HR business partner at MindBody, but I am so driven by wellness. So it's wellness and SaaS combined. It's one of those opportunities that I couldn't turn away from. It felt like I could be completely my authentic self. And that's really, you know, where I am today. So I feel really passionate about what I do and the people that we employ here. And by no means has the last year and a half been easy in the wellness space, but it's certainly a tribute to the people that are in this space and what they do. And that really is the company as a whole is an amazing brand, but they certainly live and breathe their core values as well. That's incredible. What a great summer as well. To be able to feel that way about where you work is pretty amazing. And like totally, it's definitely been 
a rocky, what, 12, 18 months for that industry. But I just think it's one of those as well that people are really starting to understand just how important it is and businesses are really backing it. So it's going to be, although it's been a rocky 18 months, I'm sure you'll end up seeing incredible growth over the next 18. Yeah, we've certainly seen that pivot in the virtual space. It's been really interesting. And again, passion piece separately to my employment, but wellness and movement always at the forefront of what I do. And I think that being able to check in with yourself, especially in a lockdown, being able to take time out away from your computer to connect in with family and friends is really important, but also taking time out to go for a walk or do some yoga, meditate. So it's really at the forefront of everything that we do here and making sure that our employees and our customers are looking after themselves as well. I love that. That's awesome. I guess going back over all those kind of different career roles and over your career, what's the best and worst career advice you've received along the way? Oh, I did write this one down. Um, (laughs) And I (laughs) I think the best advice that I've received over a period of time is be authentic. It's way easier to be yourself than to try and be someone else. So that to me was the best advice because navigating difficult opportunities or difficult situations, if you can go back and go, I wouldn't do that any differently because I was doing these all these things all for the right reason, then you probably won't regret anything that you've done, even if it wasn't the best path forward. The worst career advice, I think, is when people say, like, stay back late, stay back late and be the last person to be there. And I have worked in that environment and it simply doesn't bring the best out in people. And that, I think, has changed over my time in HR. And I don't think that you get truly the best out of people if they are just sitting there for the sake of sitting there. I think when I graduated that was one of the pieces of career advice I got is like you're the first one in the office and you're the last one to leave and that was the kind of and I do think that's one of the good things that's actually come out of the last 18 months is like that's no longer a thing right because people are at home and I really hope that's something that's going to change my default setting sometimes is still to work more hours like if I'm busy just to work work more hours and you soon realize after maybe a few days or a couple of weeks of doing that, that that's absolutely the wrong thing. And you're right, actually going out and get going for a walk or doing 10 minutes meditation is much better for your brain than just trying to power through. Yeah. I guess sometimes just lessons are hard to unlearn, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But it is changing. I think that that level of trust that you have for your staff, no matter where they're working from, and also, I guess, those finite periods of being able to be super productive, they're definitely more value add than having someone work and burn out. Totally. So I guess on that then, it's how do you set realistic expectations for yourself? (laughs) Post-its and checklists. I think that I've certainly, and I agree with you, do work long, big hours at times. So I've US company, my boss is in London, you know, sometimes, and I would call myself a type. So (laughs) I can be my own worst enemy with regards to being able to prioritize and having big hallmark things to do personally as well. In terms of being able to put goals ahead, one of my bosses now, she says, always put, do three things. And I think that would be my advice is when you're prioritizing things, whether you put them, you write them down, you put them in your diary, have three things that you want to do each day and get them done. 10 things, yes, you could probably do by the end of the week. But if you can predict those three things and make sure that they can happen, then you're moving through that process as well. 
I like that. Three things is always the golden number for those, isn't it? Like anyone you speak to is three things because it's it's not too overwhelming. But it's so easy just to sit there with your to-do list because I still do like to-do list because I like to tick things off. Like, yeah. And then you look at it and it's like 26 and you're like, ooh, <laughs> which three do I actually pick? But it's a really good exercise. I guess then going back to realize expectations and best and worst career advice, if you could go right back to someone like at the start of your career, what's the one thing that you wish you knew then that you know now? I think as I get older, I'm realizing that life is not linear. So taking every opportunity, not being stuck in, oh, this is where I should go and this is why I should go there. Sometimes you go down to go up or you go sideways to progress into a totally different industry. It's really about just taking those opportunities as they present themselves and putting yourself out there. Like, don't be afraid to pick up the phone and talk to someone that you may be intimidated by. They are a person at the end of the day. And also, I guess, being really open to change. That change is always going to be there, but I would definitely look at my career path to date. And now I feel a lot more comfortable going who knows where the next step will be or where I'll be in 10 years time. But that is actually exciting. It's not something that I'm worried about or anxious about at all. I love that. That's awesome. And then I guess going back to what you were just saying around like you work long hours, you've got people in different countries, there's always something changing because you're in tech. So it's ever changing landscape. What do you do to kind of stay on top of things? How do you make sure you know what's happening, I guess, with tech, but also across the HR landscape? Yeah. So I am an addict to all things HR. So HR Daily, HRM, you know, I'm always on the BBC News, Stay Global. I think it helps that I'm passionate about what I do. So it's not really something that I would call homework when I am reading about HR. It's something that I actually like, like keeping involved in. In terms of staying in touch with my colleagues, there are so many ways that we do that. So WhatsApp with my group here, Lack, obviously with all of the employees, Zoom, phone calls. Everyone's always a minute away in terms of being able to access when they're back online. So in terms of that communication piece, it's actually gotten easier with technology, which is fantastic. Staying across all the priorities, I definitely think stick to the three that you've got burning platforms. HR is all about staying agile. So there's always going to be something that's on fire at some stage in the day. But keeping that cool, calm shit is really important in this role. I think being able to provide that sound mind and also knowing that you can take the time, take the space to be able to come back to your leaders with a solid answer is really important in this role as well. I love that. Have you ever had a mentor throughout your career? I have, yes. I think I've actually had some not formally, but definitely have had mentorship along the way and I highly recommend it. What do you think that you've got out of mentorship in particular? I think a lot of things actually. I think that being able to have really strong mentors and people that you aspire to be keeps you pushing yourself. I really like with my mentors, they've not necessarily come from same industry or look, sound, feel like me. They are the ones that push the status quo, that are comfortable being uncomfortable. And I've worked with them and not worked with them. Some mentors along the way, I've actually approached myself and then others have been internal. But I think the consistent theme is that they're always at least five to 10 years above my tenure so that you can reach for the stars 
and know that there is that next step. I think that being able to have a mentor that really is paving a path for you and your career and profession is something that I always aspire to have. And I think mentors keep you accountable. Every time you meet with them, they're like, what's happened? Where to next? What have you done? Where are you going? It keeps you goal orientated and it also allows you to think more about your future as well. I love that. I think that's a really awesome summary. I guess two more questions, just kind of looking at time. Obviously, you've got a busy role, you're across the globe, you're reading, you're learning, you're doing all this. What do you do to switch off and unplug? Mm, Good question. In lockdown, walking, (laughs) loads and loads (laughs) of walking. Out of lockdown, I've done ballet my whole life. So ballet is definitely a passion piece for me. Yoga, Pilates, hanging out with my partner, my friends and family. And one of my new COVID hobbies is surfing. So being able to switch off, you can't check your phone in the sea. So being able to catch some waves and download in the ocean has definitely been something that I've really enjoyed getting to do over this period. So I'll continue it beyond this COVID period. I love that. One of our first guests was a um, ex-professional ballet dancer. So I'll have to introduce you both. Or maybe they could be a striving party where we get everyone together and we can have some kind of duck ballet dance off. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Oh, I'm certainly not professional. Did competition back in the day, but definitely not professional. So I'd love to meet them. <laughs> I love it. Okay, last question that we ask everybody. Who else would you like to hear from on the Striving and Thriving podcast? Oh, great question. Cannon Brooks. I think would be someone who is constantly pushing the status quo, almost makes massive swing risk statements before they actually come to fruition and he's normally right. Want to know more about how to get ahead? Be sure to check out striving.io for career development tools and mentorships to guide you through. Striving and thriving. 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 Striving and thriving.